0: Welcome to Book Squad Goals. This is our mini sode on the couple next door. What's mm. <laughs> happening? <laughs> My name is Susan and I take ProZac.
1: I am Mary and I take Zoloft for anxiety.
2: I am Emily and I also take Zoloft. And I actually know that I'm on the same dosage as Mary because uh I ran out of pills and had to borrow some. <laughs>
3: That's so convenient. Which yeah. I need to get
2: back because... Yeah, I mean, I have your pills whenever you're ready. Wow. Yes.
3: This is basically <laughs> illegal. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're going to get arrested. Yeah. I'm Kelly, and I take a Yes, I do. Welcome, Kelly.
0: And if you're wondering why we're talking about our antidepressants, it's because antidepressants play a big role in the couple next door. Mm-hmm. Huge. In fact, they are basically to blame for every bad thing that happens. <laughs>
3: or they, Im- they imply blame anyway. <laughs> I think they straight up say it. <laughs> yeah.
2: As we all know from our experiences with um, medication, it makes you psycho. Yeah. <laughs> and you kill babies.
3: <laughs> or like if people. you take it, it means you already were psycho to begin with and that you killed babies to begin with and
0: everyone should beware of you. Right. Right. Well, I'm going to read the the Goodreads summary of this book, which is not really a summary. It's more like a dramatic taste of, like, (laughs) imagine what this could be like. All right. Go for it. You never know what's happening on the other side of the wall. (laughs) (laughs) That's how it starts, guys. Your neighbor told you that she didn't want your six-month-old daughter at the dinner party. Nothing personal. She just couldn't stand her crying. Same. Which is totally personal. (laughs) Your husband said it would be fine. After all, you only live next door. You'll have the baby monitor, and you'll take turns to go back every half hour. Your daughter was sleeping when you checked in on her last, but now, as you race up the stairs in your deathly quiet house, your worst fears are realized. She's gone. Dun-dun-dun. You've never had to call the police before, but now they're in your home, and who knows what they'll find there. Probably Zola. Yeah, so often what would you be capable of when pushed past your limit that's the summary that what does that, that even reads. mean what would you be I capable know. of when you're pushed past your limit i mean that's not really even what, what it's about li- your limit for what
3: <laughs> your
1: limit for having your baby stolen
0: so does anyone want to take a stab at actually giving like Uh, a succinct plot summary and i vote for mary because this is you could also take this moment to explain why you chose this piece of shit Uh,
3: i think i owe it (laughs) wait first (laughs) first we should say before we start this this is definitely like a hate hate episode (laughs) um and uh, you know
2: our version of how did this get made yes like how did this get published yes
1: (laughs) it's sort of also a story of how did this podcast come to be
3: yeah um but i just want to just say that like if you read this book and you liked it uh we're sorry just stop here we're sorry yeah Um, you're probably still cool we're not gonna say anything good about this book from this point yeah. forward, we're not going to say anything good.
0: Uh, it has almost no redeeming qualities for me. Yes. So, you know,
3: just take this with a grain of salt. These are our opinions about this book, uh, which
2: are all negative. Just And we <laughs> probably only have these opinions because we're all on medication and therefore psychotic. Yeah. Uh, crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, again, like, why are you listening to four crazy people anyway? Am I right?
1: You're right. All right, right Mary. So, this book... Here's the story. <laughs> Emily and I signed up for Book of the Month Club, which is which a wonderful... you subscribe They're still
0: not sponsoring us, FYI. ...club
1: where they send you books each month. You get to kind of pick what book you want. And Emily and I decided, wouldn't it be fun if we chose some books of the Book of the Month Club books for our book club?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So Susan had just decided to join the book club. And I said, hey, Susan... We were kind of already thinking about doing this book, so it would be cool if you just picked it.
3: <laughs> this is how a lot of Susan's <laughs> books get chosen, by the way.
0: <laughs> Susan gets bullied very No, I'm easily. starting to really stand up for myself, though. <laughs> it's because I was the last one in the club. Because Susan
1: is agreeable.
0: No, I was the last one in, so everyone is hazing me still. Yeah, this was her hazing <laughs> initiation.
1: And uh, we read it, and it was a trash fire of a book. <laughs> and after we read it, everyone was like, why did Mary do this to us?
0: Okay, <laughs> I want to add in something here. It wasn't that you were like, hey, you should just pick it. <laughs> For, yeah, it was not- You actually, you said to Emily, hey, she'll pick this, right? Like. Do you think she'll mind? And then you went into the Google Doc and just put it in. Did I? Did. It wasn't me. It was, I don't know if it was me. Someone put it next to my name as if I really did pick it. but really, So I went in and changed my name to Mary. Yeah. <laughs> and then someone changed it back. And I was like, oh, I guess I wasn't What? Cool i know i didn't change it either. that was not me i don't know who did it but it was i'm just saying ghost? it was probably emily or mary <laughs> it was probably one of us but i don't remember two emily is in charge of all the charts and spreadsheets so I, you know how i love a good schedule i know i think i might have messed it up and you were like god damn it you but this it was me. this was the pre-podcast version
1: of our book club where we would just meet once a week on google hangout or aol instant Messenger. once a week for once, like a, once mice, a month,
0: yeah. Once every I was other like, month. Damn, I I don't really know. slowed you guys down when I joined because we do not meet that often. <laughs> this
3: was originally supposed to be Emily and I just reading together. This was just a very innocent. Emily was like, "Hey Kelly, do you want to do a mini book club with just us?" And I was like, "Sure." And then we read like Harry Potter and the Cursed Child as our first book. And then Mary was like, "Oh, I read that." And then she was like, "Emily, can I join your book club?" And then Emily was like, "Can Mary join?" And I was like, "Fine." And then, <laughs> and then Emily texted me. She's like, so um, there's another person who wants to join. And I was like, who the fuck is Susan? And
0: then... <laughs> is that an old lady? Because that's an old lady's name. What did I say? I was like, Susan's cool. You'll love her. Yeah. And I was like, and, okay. And you do. I yeah. do. It's I do all worked her. out. And now I feel like I've earned my spot and I've been initiated mostly because of this book.
1: Yeah. I will never like earn the trust of everyone after trying to get everyone to read this book because it's so terrible so basically the plot is what's the woman's name? Anne. So Anne and Marco Conti Conti, are the Conti. parents of this baby
0: like the coffee, John Conti coffee.
1: <laughs> who, and they one one evening they go over to their next door neighbor's house for dinner and I think they live in a duplex so really it is just like one wall separating them So they go to their next-door neighbor's house. They have dinner. The next-door neighbors seem like total turds. Like, they're not very nice. I don't know why you would want to have dinner
3: with them. Yeah, they're awful. Well, because one of them is hot.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. And she's, like, hitting on Marco.
0: Yeah. Yeah, she's not on Zoloft, so she's, like, not crazy. Yeah. Yeah. she hates babies. She
1: hates them. She hates babies. (laughs) So they leave the baby next door. And they go back every 30 minutes and check on the baby. Which, to be honest, I was kind of like, I don't see anything wrong with this. this they had the baby sick. monitor with them.
0: Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. it's probably fine. And you're not down the street. It's
3: a wall. You're on yes. the other side of a wall. It's literally yes. like leaving the baby in another room.
1: Right, yeah.
0: exactly. I don't judge her for that. Mm-mm.
1: Then they go back at some point and the baby is gone. And it's very dramatic. They call the police. The police come. There's a whole thing, and we keep talking about antidepressants, and that's partially due to what the police say about Anne taking Zoloft, and it's hilarious, so we'll get to that later. But they then start uncovering all all these clues as to what happened to the baby, and none of it really makes a whole lot of sense. (laughs) And then at the end, they're like, oh, it was just the dad.
3: Not even at the end. Like, I think it's about, like, an eighth of the way in when it is revealed, because the book keeps switching perspectives, which is, like, a huge disadvantage, like, for the book to Mm -hmm. remain interesting, is that it keeps switching perspectives, so you keep learning what's happening, like, before you even get to, like, make up your own idea about it. So, like, they immediately Mm -hmm. go to the dad's perspective, and then he's like, yeah, I thought it would be okay, blah, 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 and it's like... Obviously not. Like, you can't hire someone to kidnap your own baby, which he's doing to get money for his business, which he's hoping he can get from her parents in a bribe, even though if he just directly asked them, they would give it to him. But no, he's too proud. So he has to have his own baby kidnapped
0: (laughs) in order. (laughs) Too proud to ask for a little bit of money, but not a problem at all to kidnap your own baby. Exactly.
1: That's what's so messed up is it doesn't really make sense.
0: Mm-hmm. No, it doesn't make sense
3: at all. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing about any of the characters that says anything because they're all just like, they're not even caricatures. They're just like very flat, like stage pieces, essentially. Like they don't have yes. any personality or <laughs> defining characteristics other than. Yeah, they're
0: like, cardboard cutouts. Yeah. Like, wife is crazy. It's standing around it's that. Day. that.
3: Yeah. Honestly. Yeah.
2: Paper dolls. Can we talk about the couple next door? The people living next door to them.
3: Oh, that the thing is named um, after. But, yeah, <laughs>
0: actually, it could be either one of them, right? Like, yeah. Oh,
3: I just like it's really
2: interesting to me that like. Well, either way, the book is called "The Couple Next Door," but not a lot of uh, emphasis is put on the fact that like there's a couple living next door. So, okay, so if it is about the main couple, then that means that the title is from the perspective of the neighbors. Cynthia and Graham are the neighbors. Um, and we do get in their perspective a little bit but that as well kind of takes away some of the mystery because some of the mystery is like oh you know Cynthia and Graham like what are they up to and then we find out they're up to like uh, sex stuff recording themselves having sex with other people yeah
3: (laughs) mostly just her but he likes to watch it's like oh there's like this whole big point made in the first chapter about how Graham is like very boring and bland and like I'm like, all, so are all of you, but okay. But Graham is like, and this, also like
2: your name Graham, so we
3: know. Yeah, you, we know you're boring. Yeah, he's like right? a mild mannered, like Graham cracker. Graham cracker. Yeah, and then then we find out, <laughs> oh, he's into like kinky shit. He like records, like he convinces his wife Cynthia to go and like fuck other people on camera that he then secretly records, and then he watches it to get off, which. Right
1: she i guess honestly like at that point <laughs> i was like this can't even save the novel for me
3: no like
1: this juicy gossipy type it
0: wasn't of thing very juicy, though, because- it. but it doesn't matter to the to yeah, anything that's happening. Like none of that exactly. is relevant it's just like she threw it in for a little spiciness yeah well they
3: have it they have it on camera yeah, that but marco like took the baby so then it's it it becomes a bribery situation.
0: And but you could have a camera just for security purposes. It doesn't have to be so your wife can, like, hump the neighbor outside. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, none of that is really relevant. Yeah. That's true. It was a just an
3: added, like, thing to make it more, quote-unquote, interesting. Even though, like, for <laughs> for being, like, a thriller, quote-unquote, I say again... This is like one of the least thrilling books I've ever read. I was like so <laughs> bored reading it. There's so much yeah. like boring like detective chatter going on. It's like watching the longest episode of Law and Order, like that you've ever seen.
0: But that's not good. Yeah, it's and not the detective good. the detective who's actually in the book quite a bit has like no defining characteristics whatsoever. He's literally like, like all we really know is his name. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And then it's a lot of just like, it's it's like the best example of you should show, don't tell, because everything mm-hmm. is just told to you. Like I think some of that has to do with the
2: fact that it's present tense. And I don't, I like a novel that's in present tense. I know a lot of people don't. But I I just like, like, as a disclaimer, I like present tense. I think it can be really effective when used correctly to make you feel like you're in the moment and the emotions and what's happening. is like very tense because it's like happening right now. Um, I don't think this author knows how to write in the present tense at all. No, yeah. This felt like a novel that should have been in the past tense that was like quickly put into the present tense to like try to create some of that tension that's not there. And I think some of that telling comes from the fact that it's like awkwardly in the present tense, and so like things are just told to us directly present. It's just weird.
3: Well, yeah, because there's so it's much really like backpedaling to tell the parts of the story that already happened. So it's like, what is even the point of putting this in present tense when the entire thing yeah. is telling us about something that already happened? Like exactly, it doesn't make any sense. Exactly.
2: So it's really hard to um, tell that past stuff in an effective and interesting way when you're trying to keep up this like present tense thing that doesn't really fit with the story.
1: Agreed. But like, what story? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's the thing is like, yeah, I totally agree with you on the tense issues, but there's like not even enough of a story to matter.
3: Well, yeah. And that's the thing is like, when you read a book, at the end of the book, you're like, what was this trying to say? Like what was mm-hmm. the goal of this book? Like what was the purpose? What was I supposed to learn or take away from it? And I legitimately don't know the answer to that question with this book. I mean,
1: for me, the point of the book was to shame people who take yeah. so long. Yeah, that's <laughs> to what shame I felt. People I felt who like suffer from mental health issues.
2: I felt shame for having anxiety or, like, people who have postpartum depression should feel shame for that.
3: It's confusing because, like, we're supposed to feel sympathy for this main character, and all of the parts from her perspective, she keeps saying, like, you know, she feels really bad about having postpartum depression, but she knows that Mm -hmm. statistically it's common and it's not a big deal, like, lots of mothers deal with it, and it keeps saying this, but then the way that it's presented is, like, no one else in the world believes that and also, it's not true because then she actually ends up being crazy. So, right. and she was crazy before <laughs> she ever took any medication, which we learned through a remarkable flashback scene that I look forward to to sharing with you later. <laughs> yes, but um, <laughs> uh, oh, that God. is some, that's
0: coming up. But yeah, I just, later in the episode,
3: I don't understand like what she's trying to say about it because it seems like this is really the only character that we're like able to feel sympathy for because she is like the one whose baby gets taken and the one who is like the most negatively affected by the situation but then it's like so are we supposed to feel sorry for her because then she just like fucking snaps so like what's the point?
2: I was kind of I don't know I was down for her snapping yeah I didn't care
3: about her but I think we were supposed to yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) I
1: mean, at some point I was like, something just needs to happen. So, okay. Exactly. I think that's why I was okay with
0: it too. (laughs) I want to, I think this is a good transition into talking about the Zoloft and stuff, but um, when we're talking about what was it, what was the point? What was it supposed to be? I pulled this quote from a, an NPR review of the book. And I was like, Oh, I hope NPR just like tore this shit apart. And it was like pretty nice most of the way through, but at the end, they were like, no, this book sucks. <laughs> so <laughs> A lot of
1: people love this book, though.
0: I know, but NPR knows better. So anyway, uh, they said, the couple next door could have been a look at postpartum depression and how it breaks in marriage. Instead, it attempts to be a procedural. The trouble is, good procedural mysteries involved well-developed, involve well-developed characters and a good deal of atmospheric detail to keep readers engaged. With and tied to the action. Without those things, the book feels slim. So that's some shade this from NPR. Uh, agrees <laughs> that everything is slim, but also like it, it could have been an interesting look at postpartum depression. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't. It was Definitely. like it was like you crazy if you got that. Sorry.
3: Yeah, because it could have been like you know everyone thinks she did it because she has postpartum depression and like really dove exactly. into the, like
0: you know
2: uh how fucked up that is yeah
3: how fucked up that is and like the taboo of even like saying that you have a mental illness which shouldn't exist and like all of this stuff but instead it was like but actually you really are crazy if you have one <laughs>
0: like yeah. twist <laughs> yeah right <laughs> yeah the twist just made it shinier instead of better
3: and which also we're going to spoil the twist everyone spoilers coming
0: i would say twist yeah. Oh, yeah. It keeps twisting There's so and turning. so many twists,
3: <laughs> but in, they're not good. Never in an interesting no. way. No, It's never like, oh, I expected that, but it's never like, oh, cool, I'm I'm now interested. It's just like, oh, okay. And then you keep
0: it, reading. It's more like,
3: I didn't <laughs>
1: expect that because it doesn't make <laughs>
0: sense. Right, right. Yeah. Because it's impossible. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, the Zoloft stuff. Yes. Right. So, um...
2: You know, one of the reasons we wanted to start the episode by kind of like coming out and talking about what sort of medications we're all on is because um, we all are of the uh, same mind when it comes to mental illness and mental health, and that uh, it's something that needs to get talked about more. It's something that a lot of people deal with, and it's something a lot of people deal with incorrectly because they're worried about the shame involved with actually getting medication or talking to someone about it. Um, And I think I speak for everybody, maybe not when I say that it's, you know, books like these and other things in pop culture that help add to that feeling of shame, which is really messed up. Yep.
1: Yep. Definitely. I mean, there's more bad representations of mental health than good by far. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting to me, like, people are very quick to feel sad when issues of mental health come to a bad conclusion or, like, a sad conclusion. So, like, I'm thinking this past week, uh, Chester Bennington, lead singer of Linkin Park, mm-hmm. uh, committed suicide. And everyone was very quick to say, Oh, poor, you know, poor him. This is terrible. But Where are people when individuals are like actually struggling? Yeah. Right. You know, it's like no one feels sad about it until someone commits suicide. And suicide is terrible. And I'm not trying to downplay that. But I just think if people felt less ashamed of themselves for struggling, then maybe it would be more of a conversation and less of a hidden topic of shame.
0: Yeah, Yeah. well, as a general, like, in general, people will mourn suicide, but will not acknowledge what it's like to struggle with depression or any other mental illness while it's happening. Yeah. Um, Which doesn't make sense, but whatever. It doesn't help anybody.
3: You think about it when, like, every time a celebrity dies, either by suicide, by addiction, like, all of these, you know, mental issues that – That are like hugely prevalent that nobody acknowledges when they're alive, other than to be like, oh, they're off the rails. Like, Mm
0: -hmm. you know,
3: they had to go to rehab. They had to, like, whatever, and make it into this. Well, it gets turned into like a meme or a
0: joke. Yeah. Right. Um, Yeah. And then. Yeah. And rehab is never presented as a positive thing, which it should be. Like, like that is getting help. That is a person on their own going to get help, which is admirable and brave. And people are like, oh. Well, right, especially yeah. when
3: you're in the limelight like that, like...
0: Yeah, because everyone knows. Yeah.
3: So, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think that's an interesting point, Mary, that, like, people, like, are... They have, like, two extremes of reacting to this kind of information. And it's, like, you should be able to, like, process it and talk about it and not just be, like, either, like, oh, well, they're crazy or, oh, this is so sad. Like, if right. only they had gotten help. <laughs> like, you...
1: Right. Yeah. I... My old doctor really explained it in an interesting way. Like, she talked about depression and anxiety and uh, antidepressants as, like, your body makes serotonin, but sometimes it just can't. Or sometimes your serotonin is so depleted, it's just not a healthy level. Mm -hmm. And that's why you take antidepressants, whether it's for anxiety or depression, because, like, your body just can't be in that state of lacking serotonin forever. And when you say it like that, it makes, like, medical sense. And you can say, oh, well, yes, if my body can't make this on its own, or if my body's not making enough of it on its own, of course, some medical help would be just fine. But people don't see it as a medical issue. They yeah. see it as, like, you can't handle Emotions certain things. Or whatever. Yeah, which is not the case.
0: Oh, I've seen people refer to it as a weakness online. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. okay, well, you clearly have no understanding of this whatsoever.
3: Like, with OCD, which, like, I struggle with, and I know Susan also struggles with, is, like, the way that that I've had it explained to me or the things that I've read about, talk about how there is, like, an actual, like, misfiring that's occurring in your brain. And, like, medication can help, like, fix those chemicals and fix the way that that's occurring so that your brain doesn't, like basically, like, trigger the wrong reflex when something happens. And that's, like, very physical. It's not, like, you know, it's it's something that, you know, with a lot of, like, hard work and, like, certain types of therapies and medication, like, all combined together, and you still might not be able to, like, fix it. And uh, Mm -hmm. I don't think people realize that it's not just, like, this simple thing. And it's not just, like, if you have – a disorder of any kind like you can't just like oh here's the medicine like here take it you're better now like it's oh, yeah, different yeah. for every right, single person right. there's so people spend years trying to find the right thing that will work for them and sometimes they never find that thing or you don't find something that like f- you'll never find something that fixes it completely because that would be magic and we don't have that
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so oh if magic for OCD existed I would be like It would be great. (laughs) I love that. We need to realize that it's an illness.
2: Just like anything else, you know, mental illness is an illness. And when people struggle with other illnesses, when people are trying to fight other illnesses that are difficult to cure or are incurable, um, we're always very understanding of that or usually very understanding of that. And we we need to get to the point where we talk about mental illness in the same way.
1: We wouldn't say like... Oh, you just don't want your body to make insulin bad enough.
2: Yeah, or you need to get yeah. over your cancer. <laughs> like, just just step, like, get over cancer, like, stand up and, like, get on your feet again. And, like, you just get out there in the sunshine and you'll start feeling better. Like, people don't say shit like that.
1: Yeah. That's you know? the way yeah. I worked in The Secret Garden. <laughs> True.
2: The Secret Garden is a brilliant book and I, I like, refuse to hear anything against it, so... <laughs> It is, like, one of my favorite books of all time. I, I love it, too, but that is that the way.
1: way it works. Like, they said, you just need to be outside more.
2: <laughs> yeah, but Colin wasn't
0: actually sick. Yeah. I see people sharing, like, what are basically memes about that, where it's, like, a beautiful picture of nature. Yeah. It's, like, this is an antidepressant. Why aren't you just it. doing this? Like, hey, I hike all the damn time. Yeah, Does yeah. It doesn't make me not have OCD, though. Like, yeah, like, I think, right? like If hiking cured you, everything. I'd be great. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, instead, I'll just openly say, I, I, I'm taking Prozac because I'm doing exposure therapy. And that oh, provokes yeah. your anxiety, like, a lot. It is really hard to do. And so to not have something that helps you get to you know, a, a little more of a base controlled level before you provoke your anxiety. Yeah, like
1: to deal with some types of therapy, or I would say any therapy, you need to be at like an even, oh my God, solid yeah. place before you can right. work on yourself.
0: Combination of therapy and medicine mm-hmm. is the best. But yeah, I mean, or I can just keep hiking more. <laughs> Go out in the I sun. say a
2: combination of therapy, medicine, and hospitality baskets.
0: Hospitality Baskets didn't work for me as well as it worked for you guys, but I see the benefit. <laughs> <laughs> we'll link to the
2: Hospitality Baskets video.
1: There's <laughs> an ASMR video by Serene Queen of Serene Yeah. <laughs> named Hospitality Baskets. And it's, it's just a woman <laughs> saying, like, here's how you can make a Hospitality Basket for your guests. And I don't know what it is, but it is so soothing okay.
3: <laughs> and does not have that effect on me, me i got <laughs>
0: well
2: two out of four podcasters agree <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's only half <laughs> however there are yeah. there are things that i can listen to that do have that effect it's just
1: not hospitality ASMR is not way.
0: that for me yeah. yeah but i did watch it and i was like i see what's i see the benefit I'm not she does like, have a I'm, nice like, I'm
1: having a panic attack let me watch hospitality baskets <laughs> but I'm just sort of like oh I, I would like to relax a little bit yeah Maybe I'll I'm will i having trouble baskets.
2: sleeping I, I use yes. it a lot like I'm having trouble sleeping let me put on hospitality baskets or I also yeah. just like to hear people talk about books so I'll like put on something about just people talking about books book like, squad you goals you know like this podcast <laughs> no I don't that, like listening to my own voice does not relax me But, like, other people talking about, you know, talking about crap. I listen to a lot of podcasts. That's what I'm trying to say. Anyway. Same. This is
0: all to say that the book does not treat mental illness. (laughs) Yeah. We sort of went off on a
3: tangent. But uh, the point is, like, this book starts off where when they go in, discover that the child is missing –
0: her name is Cora, by the way. We've just been calling her the baby.
3: Cora, yeah, she's baby. very well developed. <laughs> um, <laughs> the detective comes over, goes upstairs, opens a medicine cabinet, and pulls out a bottle that is a prescription. <laughs> and he turns it around, and it
0: says, "What is the the medical name?"
3: Fifty milligrams of sertraline. 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 sertraline.
0: Because, uh, you know, the pharmaceutical lane. company that makes Oloft was like, no fucking way. You cannot use yeah. <laughs> you cannot yeah. use this brand name to make someone seem crazy. Thanks. So yeah, he, no. he
3: reads that and we're seeing from his point of view. And it says that, like, with her name, 50 milligrams. And then it's like, comma, a very strong antidepressant. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and Let me just tell you, 50 milligrams <laughs> – is not a lot of Zola. No. It's like what they start you out on.
1: is like the dose you take for a week to work up to 100. Yeah. Right. Or work up to 75. Like, mm-hmm. it's not... I mean, I think 100 milligrams is like still a pretty low dose. Still pretty low.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I used to... I took Zola at one point. Um, and I didn't stop because it made me slap a baby. I'll, I just stopped because it wasn't a great fit for me. But... I can tell you that when I was on 50 milligrams of it, it's not like I could tell a difference, really, in my mm-hmm. life at all. And I think the average person taking 50 milligrams of Zoloft is not going to know that they're on a, quote, very strong antidepressant. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. It's not, on 100 though. milligrams. Like, it's so. just not a very
1: strong antidepressant.
2: It's not. It's, like, normal.
1: Yeah. I don't know <laughs> if you guys have seen uh, Garden State.
3: Yes, I was just talking about that earlier.
1: Before I took medication, I was always like, oh no, I'm going to be like in garden state (laughs) when the guy's just a robot and he won't, he doesn't have any feelings. And that's what it's like to be on medication. Yeah. And then when I actually started taking it, my doctor asked me like, how do you feel? It's been a few weeks. And I said, I honestly just feel normal. Yeah. Like, I don't feel like a roller coaster.
3: Yeah. Yeah. None of the ones that I have personally taken have made me feel like my personality is gone or made me feel like I'm a different person. It's made me feel different oh. physically and sometimes emotionally. I might feel worse depending on the ones that I've taken, but I never feel like, who am I? Like, <laughs> yeah, like I think that's a pretty rare side effect to, like, literally disassociate when you're taking antidepressants. Oh, yeah, and you're not, like
0: – your emotions aren't numbed or anything, like – It's not like you can't cry on Zoloft or something. Well,
3: and that's like (laughs) another huge misconception about antidepressants and like any kind of medication like that, especially in terms of being like an artist, for example, or like a writer or whatever. There's this this idea that like you won't be as creative or be able to, uh, you know, feel and and be inspired in the same way if you take these like emotion dulling medications and it's like that is so ridiculous a (laughs) claim like i it's just it's crap like i feel more creative because i'm not
1: having a panic attack over whether (laughs) i like locked the door or something you know or like
3: i don't feel hugely overwhelmed by the prospect of starting a creative project like yes i feel like i can like have it under control and my thoughts aren't different like I don't know. It's very. It's like a very frustrating thing.
0: Yeah. If anything, it's almost. I would say it's like freeing, yeah. rather than the opposite, which is what the way people talk about. I mean, as a as a writer, when I first started taking so often, I was talking to someone about it, and I remember, low dose. So like, I could yeah. barely tell I was doing it in the first place. But <laughs> someone did ask me, like, "Oh, do you feel like it's making your poetry like?" Less deep or something like that. Like, can you still, you know, feel like you can create the same way that you could before? And I'm like, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, "Um, this is helping me like not dwell on something I'm terrified of all day long. So, no, I actually feel like I can write more or Better or more clearly, because I'm not sitting here thinking about something I'm scared of. Yeah. But thanks for yes. asking.
1: It's I mean, <laughs> for for anxiety at least, it's like, you know, your body is constantly in fight or flight mode. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so when you're not in fight or flight mode, you can think clearer, <laughs> mm-hmm. surprisingly. <laughs> yeah, believe it or not. You
2: can focus on things, which is nice. Yeah.
1: Or if you if you struggle with depression, you can get over like lacking a motivation. Mm-hmm. Or you the not kill yourself. Dread of starting something. Yeah, yeah you, you can, can stay feel alive. like you don't want to kill yourself. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> I and you know that's why like I study disability studies and most of my work focuses on like issues of the body, but a lot of disability studies scholars call mental illness mental disability. So, some people might consider mental disability, like, just autism or something like that. Down syndrome. But I would say, like, anxiety, depression, borderline personality disorder. Like, I consider all of that mental disability because it's not something you can just cure.
0: Yeah. Right. It's not something something you can just get over. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can't get rid of it. I mean, you can
1: find ways to manage it, but it's not going to go away. Unless it's situational.
3: Yeah, and you learn how to live with it and manage it and deal with it in a way where it doesn't like make your life fall apart, right? And all of this is
1: related to the book in a way. I think this is an important conversation to have, so at least someone yeah. can get something out of this book, right?
2: Much more important than actually talking about this fucking book. So yeah,
3: yeah. But I guess we should go back to uh, the book. What ends up happening <laughs> um, yes. in the book? Which yes, so. Of course, the doctor, or the doctor, the detective, immediately assumes when he finds the medication in her bathroom cabinet that she must have done it or had something to do with it. Mm-hmm. So he, the first thing he does is go downstairs, and during his, like, first interview with her and her husband, he's like, I have to ask you about the medication in your cabinet. <laughs> and, like, is that a thing that would happen in real life? Like, would a, would a detective immediately be like... I mean...
1: I hope not. Maybe if it was, like, some super high dose of antipsychotics or something, it yeah. might be
0: relevant. Yeah. But. but, like, a mild antidepressant. Yeah, like, something that kept you from breaking with reality. Yeah. <laughs> like. And
3: she, she goes, like, I have postpartum depression. Like, my doctor prescribed it to me. He should have been like, oh, all right. But, like, it becomes this, like, thing
0: that he keeps going back to. I should say none of us are parents, of course, but I feel like we probably understand postpartum depression like more than whoever – whatever the author's <laughs> name is. What's her name? Uh,
3: Sherry Lapina. Lepina? I mean, yeah. it's hard to say. Maybe maybe she did experience postpartum depression. I don't know her life. But I do find it hard to believe that she has any understanding of mental illness and how it works based on the things that she wrote in this book.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, even when even when Anne is – Talking about her own postpartum depression, she always says they always put the word "mild" in front of it, as yeah. if you can't, mm-hmm. you know, really admit to having it. It's like, no, it's okay. It's just mild. Like, mm-hmm. just have a mild depression. It's like, just fucking. It's so common to have postpartum depression. It's yeah. It's like more common to have it's it than to have not any have kind it. Of so depression. just like, <laughs> yeah, fucking acknowledge it. Okay, she's like a normal mother, basically. So. Yeah. Yeah, Move on.
3: And postpartum depression (laughs) does not mean like, yes, there have been cases in the past where women have killed their children, which could be totally unrelated to postpartum depression and might have to do with a number of other things. But there are many, 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 many cases of postpartum depression in which the negative feelings aren't even towards the child. They are life in general, like, I know people who have experienced postpartum depression, who say that the only thing that kept them going was the baby. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like, it It has this, like, really weird implication that, like, because you have postpartum depression, like, you want to hurt or kill your baby. And I don't that's think... That's so extreme. Yeah, I don't think that's true, I mean, well, I mean, maybe look occasionally, at, but... It's because
0: of the way, like, stories like Andrea Yates are covered. Um mm-hmm. Yeah. Even now, I mean, it's been, like, ten years or something since that happened. Maybe even more. But I saw an article about it just recently that was like, it's been this many years, like... And it's... She probably had postpartum psychosis. So, wait, who's that? The one that killed... She drowned, like, all five of her kids in the bathtub. Oh, okay. Um, she had been having... um Mental illness issues Like before all of this anyway But mm-hmm. did eventually Kill all five of her babies and It's like Some of the articles that talk about it Sort of are like oh postpartum depression Like so this makes you kill your babies <laughs> It's like yeah, um, I think there's probably a little she more She had like psychotic yeah. episodes way before this yeah. Happened yeah you don't drown right. five Kids in a bathtub because you're like Got the blues or something like, Yeah her husband like defended her for a while too and i was like that's brave because i know you know people are gonna like rip him apart for saying it's not that simple but yeah yeah and they did so
2: should we talk about uh how what happens to her at the end of the
3: book yeah so okay uh basically we learn that There is more of a history with Anne's mental illness than we were initially led to believe. Um, Because she already is keeping it this huge secret that she is... Uh, taking antidepressants for her postpartum depression. There's a whole part where Marco, her husband has this like little mini freak out because he's like, Oh no, I was Googling postpartum depression on my work computer. Uh, they're going to find my search history. And then they're going to think that she killed the baby, which is like, <laughs> what? <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> um, that aside, she, uh, somehow, the detective finds out that there was an incident of some kind when Anne was at school. I think, per, like, possibly her mom mentions something, or someone mentioned something about how something happened when she was at school. So he goes to her private school to, like, go and investigate. When, you know, he could be actually investigating, like like, who actually took this fucking baby, but no, he's gonna go and, like, dig deep into the mother's past because she's on 50 milligrams of... Zoloft (laughs) Um, (laughs) so anyway I have I have an excerpt here uh, that I would like to read recounting this very dramatic experience um, that occurs uh, because the detective goes goes to the headmaster of the school is like did something happen the headmaster's like yes but I don't know the details but you could go talk to one of the girls who was involved so the detective goes to the woman's house And asks her basically what happened, because apparently there was this weird event where uh, three girls who were kind of bullies, they were, like, popular girls at the school, were like, they would tease Anne all the time for, like, being, quote-unquote, fat. And one day, one of those three girls, like, got rushed to the hospital, and they said she fell or something, and then it was never spoken of again. Um, and somehow Anne was involved, but, like, it's all, like, hush-hush. So he goes to talk to this woman. Um, so I will now be reading an excerpt from The Couple Next Door by Sherry Lapina. <laughs> she looks down at the tissue in her hands, sighs heavily, and looks back up at Rezbosh. Res- <laughs> <laughs> One day, she just lost it. The three of us, Debbie, Susan, and I... We'd stayed late after school for some reason. We were in the girls' bathroom, and Anne walked in. She saw us and froze. Then she said hi and gave a little wave and went into one of the stalls to pee. That took a certain amount of guts, I have to admit. She pauses, then continues. Anyway, we started saying some things. She stops. What kinds of things? Lesbosh asks. I'm ashamed to say. Things like... How is your diet coming along? Because you look like you've gained weight. Things like that. We were pretty awful to her. She came out of the stall and went right for Susan. None of us were expecting it. (laughs) Anne grabbed her by the throat and slammed her against the wall. It was one of those cement walls painted a glossy (laughs) cream. And Susan hit it hard with her head. Why did she describe the color of the wall during... She just kind of slid down. There was a big <laughs> smear of blood all down the wall. <laughs> um, then they have a little bit more back God. and forth, which then leads the detective to ask, do you remember anything else? Wait. What? I was just
2: going to say, like, so she's crying? Yes. Okay, so she's crying, but she still takes the time to say, yeah. it was glossy cream, by the way. Yes. just <laughs> to give
3: you a better visual yeah. image of the blood. <laughs> Um, so she nods before the headmistress Aww. took Anne away. Anne looked at me like she was completely normal and said, what happened? Resbosh says, what did you think when she said that? I thought she was crazy. End <laughs> of <a> chapter.
0: <laughs> oh my God. And he's like, that's it. She's crazy. She killed her baby. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I have a couple problems with this. First of
3: all, what are the chances that, like, a a high school girl can just, like, come out and, like, slam a girl's head against the wall and then, like, drag her down it with blood? Like, did she just, like, become superhuman or something? Because this is supposed to be, like, a quiet, bookish student. She's not, like, an athlete.
0: So, I'm a little <laughs> Yeah, like, but she's confused. fat, so. Yeah, I mean, she's know. got that fat person strength, I guess. The power. Yeah. So, I'm sure that they treated her... They probably said dumb shit like that, too. If they think that Zoloft can make you that crazy, they probably think that fat can make you superhuman. Yeah. It was-
3: I- I just am confused. I'm just very confused.
1: I don't even have, like, a good criticism of it, because it's so dumb.
3: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this is, like, the, ins- the the event that is pointed to as, like, the main evidence against Anne that she probably did something- um, because she also disassociates, and so then they're, and so then Anne starts believing that maybe she actually did kill the baby.
1: That's a whole other set of issues. <laughs> like <laughs> disassociating and not remembering things has nothing to do with fifty milligrams of solof. <laughs> Yeah,
2: you need to be on a lot more than 50 milligrams of Zoloft if you're disassociating. You need to be on a lot
1: more than Zoloft.
0: Yeah, Yeah. Zoloft is not for that.
3: (laughs) Well, it implies here, I think, that she has something else going on, because I don't even know if she was taking any medication when she was in high school. So the implication is that she actually has a history of psychotic behavior, and she is on the medication for postpartum depression, but actually she's like really crazy also. Uh <laughs> and so
2: not just mildly crazy, yeah. but like really crazy. Yeah. And so
3: we yeah. obviously learn that she did not do anything to the baby. And the whole thing was set up by her husband and then also by her parents to get some it's some fucking weird game of cat and mouse that's just like very boring and irrelevant to this conversation. <sighs> the important part is the ending. <laughs> um, which who wants I don't I've talked enough now someone else should get a chance
1: <laughs> I would love to read this part that you highlighted Kelly about Anne being ashamed of herself
3: oh yeah go for that please go for that
1: it's just it's so funny it's so funny Uh, so there are all these reporters around their Anne and Marco's house because news of the baby going missing has come out Um, And Anne is considering going to her psychiatrist because she's very stressed and uh, just could use some therapy. Marco considers. He's worried about her. He worries that if this goes on too long, it will truly damage her. She has always been fragile when stressed. (laughs) I don't know, baby, Marco says. With all those reporters out there, how would you go to the doctor's? I don't know. Anne whispers bleakly. She doesn't want the reporters following her to a psychiatrist's office either. She's worried about the press learning of her postpartum depression. She saw what they were like about the mistake with the onesie. <laughs> so far, the only ones who know about her depression are Marco and her mother, her doctor, and her pharmacist. And the police, of course who went through their house right after the baby was taken and found her medication. If she hadn't been in treatment by a psychiatrist, would the police be circling them now like wolves? Maybe not. It's her fault. They're under suspicion.
0: What? <laughs> <laughs> Look, what? Oh man. There's a lot of that bleak whispering that they mentioned. So m-
1: so many bleak
0: whispers, but it doesn't make sense. I mean, uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is so common
1: and no one i <laughs> on one hand i can understand that the news looking for any sort of story could be like oh she was depressed and like we don't know if she was involved but on the other hand they're not going to be like this the only woman with postpartum depression
0: <laughs> the only known case no
1: It's just, that's an indication of how bad the writing is, because there's so much, like, he says, I don't know, she says, I don't know. They're both bleakly whispering.
3: Well, yeah, because the thing is, like, there's so much plot, but also nothing is happening. Like, the (laughs) whole thing is just them going back and forth to, like, different police interviews and then the police going around searching for stuff and all of them just thinking the same things over and over again. Like, well, it could be this because this, but it also could be this because this.
2: <laughs> all the twists happen. All the twists happen because information is being concealed from us. In, I mean, because we're able to get in pretty much every character's head. Um, it's really ridiculous that we're not able to find out some of these things. So like... I just really hate it when books do that. Mm -hmm. I I don't think that should be used as a suspense tool. If a narrator knows something it's not suspenseful for the narrator to just like not reveal that information.
3: Yeah. This book would be far more successful as a thriller of some kind if it were purely from Anne's perspective. Yeah. Because she seems to know the least about what happened.
1: Because she probably disassociated.
3: (laughs) And so her finding out stuff as she finds it out, would be more interesting than us finding out and then waiting for other characters who don't know to find out when we already know. That's just boring. Because there are so many moments where we're with both Marco and Anne and we already know that Marco is responsible and she doesn't know. And then moments when we're with Anne alone and she doesn't know and we already know. So it's like, I don't, this isn't suspenseful to me because I already know what happened and she's sitting there like, what happened? It's like, (laughs) that's not a good way to tell a story.
0: Oh, uh, man. Yeah, that's...
3: Who wants to talk about what happens in the end? Yes, the end is where we need to go to finish. The this end is up. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. <laughs> yeah.
2: So I am about to read the end of the book so that you don't have to. Are you ready?
3: Yeah, so we should say um, Anne has gone over to Cynthia's house to basically be like, You a bitch. Why did you Yeah. blackmail my husband slash why did you do these things also you a bitch
2: so we're gonna start with Anne and says don't try to change the subject don't make this about me you had to know what my father was up to so don't lie to me Anne's voice shakes with anger oh I'm sorry I didn't shake with anger yeah. but you you know use your imagination okay so, so anger. you'll never be able to prove that because it simply isn't true Cynthia says then she adds cruelly if I'd been involved, do you think I would have let the baby survive? It would probably have been better for Richard just to kill it at the beginning, and a lot less trouble. It would have been a pleasure to stop that brat's endless crying. Then Cynthia looks scared. She realizes she's gone too far. Anne's chair falls suddenly backwards. Cynthia's habitual smugness is replaced by a look of blind terror. Her china teacup shatters on the floor as she lets, us a hi- as she lets out a hideous Ear-splitting. Scream. <laughs> Fade to black. Oh. Next scene. Marco has been deeply asleep, but in the middle of the night, he wakes suddenly. He opens his eyes. It is very dark, but there are red lights flashing, circling around the bedroom walls, emergency vehicle lights. The bed is empty beside him Anne must be up again, feeding the baby. He is curious now. He gets up and walks over to the bedroom window, which looks out over the street. He pushes the curtain aside and peers out. It's an ambulance. It is parked directly below him and to the left. What's the
3: purpose of that?
2: I don't, like, ugh, the writing in this is so fucking bad. Okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Also, did he just sleep through her...
2: Yeah. Screaming? Uh, Well, he was next
1: door, Mary. Thick,
2: Thick walls. Thick walls, Mary. Uh, in front of Cynthia and Graham's house, that that's the ambulances in front of Cynthia and Graham's house, uh, his whole body tenses. Now he sees the black and white police cars on the other side of the street, more arriving as he watches. His fingers on the curtain twitch involuntarily. His body is shot through with adrenaline. I'm glad they explained that to me. <sighs> <laughs> a stretcher appears from out of the house carried by two ambulance attendants there must be someone on the stretcher but he can't see for sure until the medic moves there's no urgency about them the medic shifts positions marco sees that there's someone on the stretcher but he can't tell who it is because oh, the face no. is covered oh my gosh who is it well,
3: we obviously know who it is because we just read that other part right. so this is not <laughs> suspenseful
2: now, just in case you weren't able to follow what just happened, she says, I mean, like this is, she writes, whoever is on the stretcher is dead. So just in
3: case you this, weren't clear. This must be Marco's thought process. Cause he's so yeah. dumb. He's like, what? So
2: let's, let's, <laughs> let's put the facts together. There's someone on the stretcher. Um, there seems to be no urgency about them. And their face is covered. Um, there's someone on the stretcher. The face is covered. Okay, they're, they're dead. dead. Whew. Yeah. All right, we got there. <laughs> All the blood rushes from Marco's head. He feels he might pass out as he watches a lock of long, jet black hair escapes and falls down below the stretcher. He looks back at the empty bed. Oh God! He whispers, "Ann, what have you done?" <laughs> he runs out of the bedroom. Glances quickly in the baby's room. Cora is asleep in her crib. Okay, so it wasn't Cora on the stretcher. We know that. <laughs> and she
0: did not kill the woman You're next like, door. The stretcher wasn't baby-sized, but he didn't know who it could
2: be. <laughs> he runs out of the bedroom, glances quickly in the baby's room. Cora is asleep in her crib. Panicking now, he races down the stairs, stops dead in the darkened living room. He can see the side of his wife's head. She is sitting on the sofa in the dark, completely still. He approaches her, filled with dread. She's slumped on the sofa, staring straight ahead as if in a trance, but as she hears him approach, she turns her head. She is holding a large carving knife in her lap. The red pulsing light from the emergency vehicle outside circles the living room walls and bathes them in a lurid glow. Marco can see that the knife and her hands are dark, dark with blood. (laughs) She is covered in it. There are dark splatters on her face and in her hair. He feels sick like he might throw up. I'm glad that they explained that. And he whispered, his voice a broken croak. Anne, what have you done? He looks back she looks back at him in the dark and says, I don't know. I don't remember.
1: <laughs> the end. That's oh painful.
0: Uh. <laughs> I was so angry at the end of this book. I feel like we should start the
1: podcast with that groan, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Preview of what's to come.
2: I just really don't understand how people like this book, and so many people have written like glowing reviews of this book. And should we read some uh, of them? We have yes, we please, should, please. We should please. read some of the reviews from Goodreads, and uh,
1: can I read my favorite one? Which one's your favorite? From one? Sue nineteen fifty eight.
0: Yeah, Sue nineteen fifty eight. Super dramatic.
1: Sue nineteen fifty eight on Goodreads, says, Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I love it when there is an up-and-coming author who just produces such an amazing book it looks like they have been a bestseller for years. I am not kidding. This is a truly remarkable read. I know us reviewers who say things like twists and
3: turns, unputdownable. Which,
0: <laughs> I've never heard a reviewer get... say that, but okay.
3: Uh, no. <laughs> I've never that. Is that is a thing. For books like this, like... When in where I work, like that is one of the main quotes that we take from various people. And I'm like, that's not a word. Unput downable. <laughs> and they use it constantly. It is infuriating.
0: Anyway, I just love that it. Sue is like, I know us reviewers, like us professionals, we always say things like this and this. It's yeah. like Sue, good you're, good you're bad us us. reviewers
1: <laughs> who say things like unput downable stayed up all night to read it. But I tell you, it's so true. If you are a passionate reader, and I know that you are because you are on Goodreads writing reviews, then you will certainly understand my gushing on this book. Secrets. Lies. Do you know your partner, really? Do you know your neighbors, really? Do you know your in-laws, really? (laughs) Just how do you know the good people from the bad? I was hooked. Yes, Hooked from one page to the other, needing to put this book down, but just couldn't. I had other things I needed to try and do, but this time I was happy I had a bad back and had a good excuse to be lazy and sit and read.
3: I like how much we learn about Sue's life from
1: this. I am aware I sound like I am gushing, and people do comment sometimes, but an avid reader will know when they enjoyed a good book, they just have to get out their foghorn and shout it to the world. I can't wait for a chance to read another book from this author.
2: Oh my god, I'm like hot from laughing so hard. I would like Sorry. to
3: get a foghorn and carry it around in the bookstore, and any time a person picks up the couple next door, store, I would like to put it up to them and <laughs> just honk the foghorn in their face. <laughs>
1: I have a few things on. about this review. First of all, Sue, I hope your back is better. <laughs>
0: <No>. <laughs> I, uh, that part kills me. What <laughs> were well, the other things she needed she, to do? I've got to know. Uh, when she
1: said that she was hooked from one page to another, hooked, yes, hooked. <laughs> all I can think of is like Hellraiser, like Pinhead just comes out of the shadows. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, this book will bring you pain.
0: <laughs> oh, God. It's so... The review is almost as bad as the book. I'm crying.
3: You can tell she got really inspired by the way the book was written based on how yes. she wrote the review.
0: It's like, she to she's pressing enter to ask these questions. It's yeah. like, do you know your parents? Like, question mark. Really? Question really? <laughs> mark. New line. <laughs> do you know your in-laws? <laughs> question mark really? really question mark new line secrets <laughs> new line lies like <laughs> there's also, a lot of paragraph breaks going on in here yeah just so that i honestly knows. oh and i kept I them from the original review. because i was like it it's when i copied and pasted it it took him out and i was like no 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 it's important <laughs> she wanted yeah. these in here okay Yeah. sue mm-hmm. put them there oh <sighs> so thank you sue yeah, um, I've got another one from Maureen that I want. I would like to read. Yeah, yeah. go. Do this it. is another five-star review from Maureen.
1: Oh, right, yeah, Suze was obviously a five-star review.
0: Yeah, yeah. I took out a little bit of this one because it was pretty long, but I kept in the good parts. Goodness me, this book was so full of twists and turns, I don't know whether I'm on my head or my heels right now. Oh, I know. <laughs> Golly. <laughs> well, what can I say? This book was truly gripping. It was hard to know who to trust, and in fact poses the question... How well do you really know anyone, all caps, do you really know the inner workings of someone's mind real deep down where dark thoughts may lurk and take shape? I just couldn't predict what was coming next, even though they kept telling us. As the plot took off in various directions with twist after twist, it was quite simply brilliant. Yet another great novel that screams to be noticed, and noticed it will be. And it was...
1: Oh, we noticed. we noticed. Oh, we noticed. We noticed it, Maureen.
0: <laughs> I do love that she said that the plot takes off in various directions, as if that's a positive thing. Yeah, but like, actually, yeah, that is kind of what it did, but it did not work. <laughs> yeah. Um, so oh dear. We have two reviews that are a
3: little bit more in line with our own feelings, though they're both kind and gave two stars, whereas I gave this book. One star.
0: I think we, all think we all gave it, gave it, zero it one
3: stars. Star. I yeah. would have done that.
0: Yeah, I couldn't even bother to write a whole review. I literally just said, like, this is a fucking mess. Yeah, I don't ever <laughs> honestly, on the I had to say something, though, and I was yeah. like, I wanted to get out my foghorn, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Okay, so two stars from Allie. I'll go ahead and read this one. <laughs> um All aboard the ridiculously implausible story train, Choo Choo. This author admitted on Goodreads that she does not use an outline when writing her books, and wow does it show! It snowballs yes. into a huge eyeball rolling clusterfuck. I do not recommend this book. It starts out promising, but is ultimately unfulfilling.
0: I i would agree. I don't even know that it, starts out like promising. it started out yeah.
3: promising. Yeah.
0: yeah, no, it from the beginning was not promising.
2: No. The writing style alone was just unbearable. Yeah. Oh, no, like literally
0: a, a couple minutes into the audiobook, I was like, this is gonna be a fucking challenge. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And then, Emily, do you wanna read the last one?
2: Sure. So, this is a two star review from Miss. What in the holy hell? This is the biggest hot <laughs> mess I've read to date. <laughs> The most convoluted tangle of lies and secrets with an outrageously overblown ending. How are these terrible books getting on the best of 2016 list? Has the entire world been lobotomized? That is a sincere question. <laughs> okay. I also have that question, miss. Um, so if yeah. anybody has an answer to why they think this book is getting on best of 2016 list and it's getting such good reviews, then like please write in. Let us know your thoughts. We'd love to hear... If you enjoyed the book, um, what it was about this book that really grabbed you. um,
3: And please don't say, do you really know?
2: I was going to (laughs) say, I'm going to put a challenge to you to tell me what you liked about this book without using the phrase twists and turns. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, what else about this book got you? Because twists and turns in and of themselves are not good things.
0: No. Yeah. They've got to be. Oftentimes they're bad things. Yeah. And they've gotta be justified. Like these are not yes. even earned. They're just they just no occur with no mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh man, you guys. I wish if any of you have like a free audible credit right now, download this audiobook just to hear I mean, you thought we read those passages dramatically. This woman is on 11 the whole time, and it is <laughs> so dramatic, especially when it's Anne's point of view. It's like always sounds like she's on the verge of tears, and it's- okay. <laughs> I don't understand well, how so you read this
3: book. Yeah. How
2: could you read this she's on non-dramatically? Zoloft. Because yeah. it's so overwrought.
3: There's so many like short sentence, short sentence, long yeah. paragraph, short sentence, summing up previous paragraph there's this some super there already, pauses yeah.
0: and the 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 dramatic pauses in the audiobook are like the audiobook could probably be two hours shorter than it is but there's so much <laughs> there's so many breathless pauses that yeah' just like can you just keep fucking reading please like this is not even interesting enough to pause. I want to set it up do you ever speed up audio I do yeah
2: um, I do because when I can't I I put it on 1.5 and I'm like let's do this let's get through this shit. I, I
0: like I don't like to do it I only do it if The person is like, they actually speak slowly, too slowly. I do it when I don't like the book, but I just, yeah.
1: I only did it once, and that's with the book we were reading next, The Girl with All the Gifts. (gasps) Mary! Uh, Because I was making, I was on a long road trip listening to this book, and I was driving, and two other people were in the car, so I was responsible for more than just my life. (laughs) Did they complain? uh, uh, No, uh, they've actually both loved it and have already finished it. Like one of the people in the car finished, we were going to a conference, she downloaded and finished the book while we were at the conference. Wow. And the other person downloaded it and finished it when we got back. I still haven't finished it, um, although it was very good. I just I have
3: a couple of pages left. On my I'm almost done, but I'm reading it. Not I've a got soon. a lot
1: of pages left, but I'm enjoying
2: it. Uh, so that is the the book that we are going to do in two weeks. It will be on uh,
3: our next episode. The Girl with All the Gifts by M. R. Carey, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, one page of that is better than this whole book that we just talked about. The audio
1: book, though, who boy, slow. It's just like, the author, the, or the narrator is very British, Uh-oh. and she's like, Melanie looked out the window. <laughs> it was a bleak day. My favorite part, though, is, uh, well, I guess I'll just, I'll save that story for next time yeah. because it yeah. reveals something about the book. But there's one quote that there's one quote that my friends and I kept saying to each other repeatedly because it was so funny and ridiculous. This is a very good book, And, I mean, I think, I guess I'm showing my hand, but I have enjoyed this book so far, but there is one line that just, like, cracks me up. (laughs) I want to hear it. (laughs) You're my bread, Miss (laughs) Justineau. I don't mean, like, the kind I want to eat. I don't want to eat
0: you, but, you know, like the man in the song. Jesus that's almost as good as a uh, Jonathan saffron Fours <laughs> line about like stuffing his like face. orifice with
3: the face <laughs> orifice yeah. with a burrito. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> Still, my favorite sentence of all time. <laughs>
2: So that's what's coming up, uh, on the podcast and, uh, on the blog, I think what should be up there now is Kelly, you're
3: doing like a, yeah. So I went to this, um, when I was away traveling the world as you know, I do, um, I went to, (laughs) what did I do? <laughs> I was in London and I went to this exhibition at the White Cube Gallery which is called Dreamers Awake and it is a feminist surrealist exhibition mm-hmm. um which is really fantastically amazing and I don't know if we have any listeners who are in London or are going to be in London at any point but you should definitely check it out it was free to go to cuz everything in London is free if it's art which is kind of amazing and I'm jealous Um, But yeah, I'm just writing kind of like a response post to, or I have written a response um, with some pictures and just sort of like a summary of um, how I felt about it. And it was really, really cool. So if anything, just like go to the post to look at the cool art pictures and go find some new, cool, contemporary surrealist artists.
2: And speaking of London, uh, Mary and I have been... We've taken on the great, great, great endeavor of <laughs> watching all of the National Theatre's production of *Angels in America*,
1: starring Andrew Garfield, right, starring Andrew Noted Garfield gay and
2: Nathan Lane. Noted game. Uh, <laughs> so this is this is on in London right now, but uh, as maybe a lot of you already know, the National Theatre does like a, a broadcast to various places, so we're able to see it in our. Podunk, Podunk area,
1: Podunk, which not even our Podunk area. We have to go to a like more Podunk, more Podunk area. area.
2: Yeah, but uh, <laughs> so while Kelly went to London to get her culture, we just drove down to the coast to get our culture. Um, and we will be blogging about that. My my blog should be up now, and uh, Mary's will be up next week. So I will be talking about part one, and Mary will be talking about part two. And we probably also will be talking about how. Um Andrew Garfield uh, says that he is a gay man. Oh, he does? Yes. Oh.
3: fast. well,
1: okay. What? He's not a gay man. He <laughs> yeah. said he feels like a gay man without the physical act because he likes to watch RuPaul's drag race.
0: Oh, Andrew. Well, then we're all gay men.
1: That's <laughs> yeah. what I said. I was like, "Well, I'm wearing a Sasha Velour t-shirt right now." <laughs>
0: You're such a gay man. <laughs>
2: Mary, you're such a gay man right now. Clearly. While you're wearing that shirt. Anyway, so we'll probably have to address that. I,
0: I feel like I should say something about the blog, but, cause, but all of you have the most recent ones. <laughs> but you can talk about that because you'll
2: probably be writing about it again, and it's very exciting. Yeah, I might be writing about it again. Yes.
0: Uh, yeah, so I just it's wrote It's so exciting. I, I'm taking on Harry Potter for the first time ever. Woo! Yay! Yay! Yes, with, the, with the encouragement of you three and um also a lot of other people on the internet. Like when I said I was gonna do this I got a lot of excited comments like oh my gosh I'm so happy for you (laughs) Like stuff like that where people were just genuinely thrilled that I was about to have an experience that they really loved so the world is excited for you I know I've never I mean I feel like if I had posted that I was having a baby people would have been less excited about it (laughs) I I was like this is what it feels like to post a big life announcement on here because I've never done that (laughs) So (laughs) now I know I'm just like beaming right now because I
2: just like I wish that I could go back and read Harry Potter potter for the first time a lot of people said that too um
0: yeah. Our friend Diana said something like that, like, do you, if, if there's one book I could go back and experience for the first time, like, that would be it. And, yeah. Yeah. uh, or I guess all of them, but yeah, so I have, I've finished book one and wrote about it on the blog. And yeah, as soon as I finish the girl with all the gifts, I'm moving on to that chamber of secrets. Yeah. That chamber. That My chamber. husband is very excited for me too. Cause he's, he's read them more than once, I think. And every time. Basically, every time he saw me that whole week that I was reading, he's like, what just happened? <laughs> yeah. Tell me. And he's like, do you want to watch the movie, like, the minute you finish it? And I was like, yeah, we can do that. So, we rented it and watched it together. But <laughs> t- yesterday, he's like, so how far are you in the Chamber of Secrets? And I was like, well, I haven't Aww. started yet, because I'm reading this other thing for the book club. And he was like, what? What, what like, else? Damn are- it, Susan? Why are you <laughs> Like you can't interrupt the stream of seven books, so I was like, "I'm going to get there." He's like, "But I want to watch the movie with you, so we just like hurry up." I'm like, okay, I know. <laughs> well, at least you'll be spreading it out a little bit because you'll be sad when it's over. So yeah, so. I'm starting to kind of worry about <laughs> how I'm going to feel when it's over because everyone else is so like, "Oh, I want to start over, but I'll never get to experience that first time feeling again." When I I'm finished, like, am I going to be real depressed? <laughs> I like wept.
3: For like twenty five minutes. Oh yeah, <laughs> really? <laughs> like, I cr- oh, God, <laughs> God, I'm kind of nervous. During the
2: entire seventh book, I basically yeah. cried. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'm really excited cried. to like go do Harry Potter things too. Like, I'm yeah. I'm going to London in September, and I'm like,
2: yeah. Well, we go to saw what did
0: what did we yes. see at Oxford that was part of the movies? And you were making fun of me, Emily, because I didn't know what it was. I thought that like dining hall was part of.
2: No, like, the outdoor area was used for filming some parts of the movie, and I don't know, you said something like, so
0: is this, like, Hogwarts? <laughs> <laughs> the answer was no. <laughs> no. So, um, yeah, I was telling Joe while we were watching it, I was like, I think I've been somewhere where, like, some of this movie <laughs> was filmed. He's like, where? And I was like, I don't really know, though, because I can't remember, like, what was what, because it didn't mean anything to me That's when I okay. saw it at the time, but um i think it's in the third or fourth movie i also um, saw platform nine and three quarters and i was there but like you know i didn't get it or anything so i was just like there's that thing like i know it's some kind of harry potter thing but now, now i want like, to go back i'm gonna go back yeah, yeah i know i want to like take the picture and all that shit but you can take the picture with your Ravenclaw scarf. Oh my god, I've gotta get a Ravenclaw scarf. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my mom bought me a Hogwarts shirt last week. Aw. Yay! And hey, sorry, oh well you god. can cut all this out, Kelly. This is like No, no, no. I think we okay. should leave this in. <laughs> yeah. I know, I'm just like going on and on about it though. Um, yes. Yeah, so last week my mom my mom sent me a picture of this Hogwarts shirt, but I don't even know where she found it. And she was like, Hey, do you want this? It's like only five dollars. <laughs> and oh I was my like heck yes, I want it. And so she got it for me and then she texted me and said, You're my little Hogwarts and I said that doesn't Aww. make sense, mom. That's not right, mom. <laughs> and she's like, "Wait, so what is a hogwart? <laughs> oh my god! And I was like, "For the first time, so I know funny. more about this than someone else." So I explained it, and she was like, "Oh yeah, I mean, I did see one of the movies, so I should have known that." I was like, "Yeah, probably." Yeah. But
3: my my so- mom, I went and got uh, fizzing whisbies at the park and brought them home, which is just like one of the candies in the book. But, they're really good. Yeah, they're really good. They're like chocolate with pop rocks in them. Mm. Um, but I took them home and my mom saw it and she was like Quizbies and I was like no. <laughs> <laughs> they're called Fizzing Wizbies, which is like such a small detail, but then forever from that moment on, she just kept calling them Quizbies to piss me off. <laughs>
2: Kelly, your mom it, is so cute. I hope she so listens to this podcast so that she hears that we're all coming to visit her.
3: <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't think ready, she knows Kelly's how mom. to use a podcast. We're all staying at your house, so yeah. get on board. When you po- I posted that thing, and then my mom commented on it on Facebook, and she was like, what the heck is a podcast with a smiley face?
0: Oh. <laughs> I thought she was kidding. No. <laughs> my mom listened well, to, I think, our Beauty and the Beast episode because she saw that when I, I – my dad and my husband and I went to see Guardians of the Galaxy together when my parents were in town. And when we got to the theater, my mom was like, I'm going to go see Beauty and the Beast. Like, I don't know what Guardians of the Galaxy is about. And I'm just – I hadn't seen the first one. So, she went by herself and saw Beauty and the Beast. And I was like, you should listen to our podcast. Aww, Guardians and of the Galaxy was She was better. basically so, like, I loved it. So, I don't know what, <laughs> what your problem is. <laughs> yeah. Like, she just was – she was really happy about it and loved everything about it. Well, I'm so, glad some
2: people were happy
3: about yeah, it. Yeah, my mom loved it, I yeah.
0: was <laughs> like, I'm sorry, Mom. Um.
3: Yeah, so, everyone, we have social media uh, – at Book squad Goals on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Please follow us. Um, we have a Goodreads group. Please find us on there too. Uh, we have a website, which is Book squad Goals. No, I fucking get this wrong every single time. Like a squid? <laughs> BookSquad.ink, like a squid. And if you have questions or comments, you can feel free to email us or get in touch with us via social media. But our email address is Book Squad Goals at Booksquad.inc, I N K like a squid um also please i know i ask this every time but i'm very serious about it if you have not rated us and reviewed us on itunes what the fuck are you doing (laughs) and guys we can do the math we know there are more
2: people listening than the amount of ratings we have
3: (laughs) but for real though like go do that please Please. We're never going to get any more listeners.
0: <laughs> you shouldn't do that. Please. We will go Zoloft crazy on you.
3: I will yeah. literally kill
0: a baby. No, I'm just kidding.
3: I no, it's not funny. Um, the
0: baby wasn't even I dead. Left. We keep saying yeah. killed the baby. She was totally fine. I will have five. a
3: baby. Then I will kidnap my own baby. And then I will frame you for it. Unless you go and review us on iTunes and read us and please give us five stars because you love us we love you and we
0: love you oh okay yeah because we just demonstrated we're insane so you have to give us five stars I'm crazy bye (laughs) bye (laughs)